Let's pray together this afternoon. Father, we have our arms outstretched to you because this is our rightful place. You are our king. You are on the throne. There is no name above the name of Jesus. At the name of Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord, Father. And Lord, I thank you that those who are gathered in this room or watching online, it says where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are with us. You are Emmanuel, Father. God with us. So Lord, we just acknowledge your presence in this room. We say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Jesus, we magnify your name. And even in this moment, Lord, we're reminded that when we have a physical sign of surrender to you, it's a reminder of who you are. It's a reminder that you have every single one of our needs in the palm of your hands, Jesus. I'm so thankful for who you are. I pray that this afternoon, as as I preach this last message, Father, that you would just fill me afresh with your spirit, that you would guide and direct my words, Lord, to whatever this group needs to hear, whether they're watching online or in the room. And we're going to give you all the praise in advance. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, that was the best Amen I've gotten all day. Let's go. You guys can have a seat. Everybody doing all right? Man, I tell you what, preaching three times in a row, you start to forget what you have said and what you have not said. There's sometimes in your sentences, you're like, where am I again? Like, what's going on, Jesus? I'm so excited. If this is your first time, or if you've been with us for a few weeks, uh, we have uh, some people watching online, or they're going to be watching on YouTube later. Can we give them a warm welcome? Come on. Welcome, welcome. The Lord has been doing some crazy things the past few weeks. If this is your first time, or maybe your second or third time, no matter where you're coming from, the Lord has been on the move. Amen. Like we've heard so many, so many cool testimony stories of people coming to Christ for the first time, people who have been looking for a church home. One thing I wanted to share with you, I'm really excited about this announcement, is starting next week, so this would be Sunday, February 13th, Super Bowl Sunday, okay? I got your attention now. First off, who's rooting for the Bengals? Yeah, Yeah, I am. Okay, and then the Rams. Justin's rooting for the Rams. Okay, I don't know. Starting next week, I'm really excited about this. We're going to be moving to two services. So when we started out with three, um, our, our heart behind that was just, God, we don't want anyone to come and not have a seat as we went into the grand opening. Now we're like, hey, let's pull the energy, the momentum, the party into two services. So starting next week, we'll only have a 9 and an 11 a.m. So shout out to you guys. This is the last 1 p.m. for a minute. Is that cool? Okay, awesome. We can clap for that. I'm, I'm excited with you, but I want you to know three things, and then I want to jump in. Number one, you belong here before you believe. So whether you're watching online, maybe this is your first time hearing a message in a while, or maybe this is your first time being to church in a while, or you're just trying to figure out what you believe about this God thing, I just want to say Jesus welcomes you to the table. You belong here before you even believe. And the second thing is this, we don't just want to reach those who are far from God, but we want to unleash those that want to go deep into their purpose. Is that cool? Do I have any people in the house this afternoon that want to go deep? Come on, I feel that. The third thing is this, I don't want to talk at you, but I want to talk with you. And I already feel that faith in this room, so just say amen, give me a thumbs down, wherever you're at on the spectrum. Uh, but I want to pray again one more time. Let's, let's bow our heads, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I'm so thankful that your word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. 
Lord, I thank you that when we approach your word, it's not a scientific text that we take off of a bookshelf. It's getting all dusty. We intellectually evaluate it. No, Lord, your word is alive. It's different than any text known to man. Lord, and it's able to speak to our very situation. So whether we're watching online or in the room, or we're just coming with anxieties or fears or insecurities or doubts. Lord, I thank you that the word became flesh. And you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. So Lord, I pray that you would remove me, hide me behind your cross. May you receive the glory. And may all of us, under the sound of my voice, leave eternally transformed forever. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I got people saying amen before I even said amen. All right, let's go. The title of our series that we're jumping into is called Core. Everybody say Core. Now, we're not going to be doing like aerobics and sit-ups for the next hour, okay? But genuinely, like when I go to the Lord, you all, I don't want to just write down a message that like, oh, that sounds cool, I'll preach about that. Like, I want to hear the voice from heaven of what God has to say to this specific congregation at a specific time or whether we're watching online. And so this is going to be the series we're going to be in the next four weeks. We started with a series called Now. Everybody say Now. The whole idea behind that was God stirred, He was stirring a prophetic message in my heart that time is short. Like none of us know if we have 10 more days or 10 more years. So, what does it mean that we will meet God face to face one day? How is that supposed to change everything else in our life? And now I want to move from seeing the end in mind and now start at the beginning. Is that cool? Like ground zero, square one. And so, the title of my message is this Shook to the Core. Turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm shook. Now, some of you are like, can we say that in church? I don't know what he means. All right, turn to the person behind you say, I'm shook. Now, say, say it loud for the people online. Say, I'm shook. shook. Come on. All right. John 16, says this. These are Christ's words. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. One of the things that's so important to me as your leader, as your pastor, from the beginning, I don't want to sugarcoat things. Is that okay? Like, I've been to enough churches and places where it's like, we're kind of just dancing. Like, can I just give you the real thing? Is that all right? When we become Jesus followers, oftentimes our life gets even harder. That's the truth. But Jesus says, despite all these trials, despite all these things that are going to happen to you, you will have peace. Everybody say peace. And it's not a peace that we're trying to get by, like, escaping the moment, right? Not a peace that's like, okay, i got to drink and drink so I can escape this moment, escape this world by smoking, smoking, doing all these things with girls and relationship to relationship. He's saying, this is a peace that the world cannot give you. Peace that I give to you. No one can take. The Christian life is not rainbows and unicorns. And we could talk about any different topic, but we have to have a strong core Everybody say core. Or else the pressures of life, we're just going to crumble under them. And this is what I felt like I was hearing from heaven this past week. That God wants each of us individually, corporately, on our staff, our team, everyone to have a strong core. Is that cool? Like I said, we're not talking aerobics. We're talking about the Word of God this morning, this afternoon. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. I'm going to repeat this each week for the next four weeks. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of His glorious riches, 
He may strengthen you with power. This is the verse that was just so keen in my heart for all of you. That He would strengthen us with power through His Holy Spirit in your inner being. Okay, let's just have like a quick Bible lesson here. God is Father. Everybody say Father. He's Son. And He's Holy Spirit, right? We serve a triune God. And we talked about for the last two weeks at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, it was to show us that the presence of God was no longer in a temple or just a person. The presence of the living God now lives in us. We are the temple of the Spirit. Are you with me? So this is Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus. He, he says, I pray that you'd have a strong core through the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, everybody say filled, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, dream of or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So my prayer for us is that the next four weeks, we come out with an unshakable core. Is that cool? But I don't want to just talk about our vertical relationship with God. There's so much more to having a strong core. So this is the illustration I want to explain. This is what I felt like was downloaded into my mind. That core stands for this. Our relationship with Christ is at the center of everything. Our relationship with our Father, right? But some of us have a strong relationship with God, but we don't have a strong relationship with our family or our friends or those in our inner circle. So even backtracking before that, some of us might have a good relationship with those, but we don't have a healthy view of who we are in Christ. We don't have a healthy relationship with ourselves, right? And that's so important because you can only pour out what's poured into you, right? And then E is just everything else. Every single thing that we do flows from C-O-R and then to E. We could talk about anything. Marriage, dating, finances, all that. But we can't skip this step. Are you with me? Like we have to come back to the foundation, to square one. And I love this because we're a brand new church, right? We're like four weeks old. And so let's all just start at square one. Is that okay? But there's so much more depth to this. The first main idea that I want to jump in is this. Intimacy with God. Everybody say intimacy. Is the core of our core. It's the very center of everything in our life. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you really know me? Turn to the person behind you and say, do you really know me? Now I joke with the first two services. You probably don't want to turn to your spouse right now and say, do you really know me? Like I hope at this point you probably know each other. A little while. Maybe you had a short engagement. I don't know where you're at. But Ephesians 3.19 says this, And to know this love. Can I take a drink of water? Is that cool? Two services. Oh my gosh. Before this. I don't want to pass out up here for you guys. Ephesians 3.19 says this, To know this love that surpasses knowledge. This isn't something that we can intellectually wrap our minds around. That you may be filled. Everybody say Filled. To the measure of the fullness of God. Here's where I want to start. There's a major difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally and intimately. There's a huge difference. Because here's the truth. Man, we got claps in this service. Come on. All right. If I took a poll, if we looked at the poll of the United States and said, "Who, who is a Christian in the nation? Man, maybe we'd have 40, 50, 60%. I don't know. We're now going to like post-Christian, if you didn't know that, right? Like the cultural Christianity thing is, is on its way out. 
But there's a major difference between how many of those people would say, I know about God, and I would say I'm a Christian in the way I vote, versus I know God. Like, I have a relationship with Him. I know His voice. I want to tell you a funny story. You know, growing up, I uh, went to different churches with my parents. got my parents here with me. And even though I grew up in the church, it, it took me until my senior year of high school to have the light bulb moment that, like, I can't just be one foot in and one foot out, right? But this is a funny story. I remember going to Grace Church. Shout out to Grace. They're doing awesome stuff, I'm sure. I haven't been there in forever. But we went there when I was in middle school, all right? Just to put you in my shoes as a middle schooler, everybody else is standing up in worship except me. Okay? This is where I was at. And there might be someone watching online, like, I remember that kid. He never stood up in worship. Like, he had the worst attitude, right? I don't know. But I started to think about this, and I felt like the Lord brought it back to my mind. Everybody else is standing up worshiping. They got their hands up. I'm like, what are these crazy people doing? Like, Mom, Dad, you're embarrassing me. Can you please sit down, right? But the difference was, is I just only knew about God in that time of my life. I didn't know Christ. There's a major difference between this. Another way to say it would be this. Intimacy is not head knowledge, it's soul knowledge. Intimacy is not something that's like A plus B equals C, and then I I get it. No, no, it's having an encounter with the living God that forever changes your life because it's all about relationship. Some of you are like, okay, Andy, I get that, but I I don't know. I've heard that before. What are you saying? Okay, another way, think about it like this. If I'm on a date with my wife, shout out to date night. Can we just shout out date night, okay? My wife and I do our best to try to get this in our weekly rhythm. And Imagine how awkward it would be if I just talked the entire time while we're on this date, right? Like she didn't even get a word. And I'm just asking questions. Hey, uh, can you pass the napkins? And can you pass the water? Can you uh, give me a plate of that? Can you uh, give me that sauce? I love that sauce, right? I don't know what I'd be saying, but how awkward would that be if I was the only one talking the whole time? Here's where I want to tell you again. Prayer is an ongoing conversation. Intimacy with God is an ongoing conversation. Let's just start there. Is that okay? Because some of us, if we're being honest, like when we go to God in our own time in our car, where we're like, God, I think you're real. I think you're there. Like we start praying and we're like, didn't hear anything back. He's not real. This is crazy. I heard a pastor say one time, don't ever tell me God is silent if you, happen, if you haven't opened up your word. Are you with me? Because like, in God's word, he's speaking 365, 24-7 all the time. The word became flesh, but Christ is the word. Are you with me? But relationship is just an ongoing conversation. And I'm not just talking about like the good days where it's like, okay, Jesus, thank you for the food at the table and uh, bless my family in Jesus' name, amen. Right? There's nothing wrong with that prayer, but I'm talking about like on your bad days too. Like I'm talking about when you lose a job or you lose a a spouse or you lose a relationship or things are just falling apart. Like when you're frustrated at your max, like you've reached a 10. Let's talk about those moments of conversation. Is that cool? Psalm 22. David's pouring out his heart before the Lord. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? He's pouring out his heart to the Lord. Why are you so far from, from, from everything that I'm crying out to you, from, from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but it just feels like you're silent. You don't answer me. Anyone ever been there before? On a lighthearted note, um, Psalm 22 is like 
Not my favorite scripture. I like Psalm 21 and 23, right? Because Psalm 21 is like the power of God, the blessing of God, right? And then Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. But Jesus promises us we're going to go through trials. There will just come a moment in our life when our emotions give out. We feel like things are falling apart. Jesus promised this to us. So it's not a surprise. But as I was thinking about this passage and where people are at, What's so unique about Psalm 22 is this. God wanted David to be more honest than he wanted him to be eloquent. For some of us, that's like, what are you talking about, Andy? God is not impressed by fancy prayer language. He's impressed with honesty. Like more than anything, God doesn't want your dressed up prayer. You know, so many people are afraid to pray in public because they think they have to be like, God, and when the sun rises, you painted that as a canvas. You know what I'm talking about? Like, but really, God just wants an honest heart, an authentic heart before him. Honesty and intimacy are directly connected. You can't have an intimate relationship with God if you're not going to be honest. But the greatest thing about Christ is he meets you right where you're at. Like, you don't have to come to Christ and have it all together. You don't have to have all the answers. Jesus says, I want to meet you right where you're at. But he wants us to be honest. Are you with me this afternoon? Yeah? Intimacy with God is the core of our core. Anybody been in an accountability group ever? Or like a D group, or a C group, or a B group, or, you know what I'm talking about, any Christians out there? Yes, okay. Anybody ever been in an accountability group where it's all about the negative, or a small group? Like, you get into a small group, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to try to sharpen each other. And then you just, like, go around the circle, and you're like, okay, let's start with John. Uh, John, did you sin this week? Okay, great job, right? Okay, hey, Fred, um, did you lust this week? Man, all right, better job next week. Like, are you with me? Anyone ever had that experience before? The second main idea is this. Intimacy with God is not about fighting sin. It's about being filled by the Holy Spirit. And this is so, so foundational, you guys. Like, this isn't just like, okay, that's a good thought, Andy. No, this is like foundational. This is core to our faith. Ephesians 3.19 says this, To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled. Everybody say filled. To the measure of the fullness of God. I said this a couple weeks ago. This is so important to come back to. Cultural Christianity is more about what we avoid than what we pursue. Plain and simple. Cultural Christianity, like if they were to take a a poll of the United States, most of it would be about, well, well, I don't get drunk, so I'm a a Christian then, right? Or I go to church, I'm a Christian. Or, man, I tried not to have sex before marriage, so that makes me a Christian. When Jesus is saying, when I came and I said, I came to give life to the full, I wasn't talking about everything you would be avoiding. It's about everything you'd be pursuing. Everything that came back to intimacy and relationship with God. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18, I love this. Coming back to the word, it's so clear. Paul says, be very careful how you live then, right? Not as unwise. He's setting the the standard for holiness, of course. Don't be foolish, verse 17, but understand what the Lord's will is. But I love this, verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, you can replace any sin in there that you want. It's not about the getting drunk part, but really it's about this. Notice the text doesn't say, stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning, stop doing that. It says, be filled. Like, is this making sense? This is so foundational to everything. When we are in love with Jesus, you guys, 
Obedience, our yes to Him, following Him, it moves from a place of obligation to a place of opportunity. Like then I want to get up and I want to worship. I don't feel like, okay, I got to get up. I got to lift my hands because that's what my parents do. No, now I'm in love with Jesus. Now I see that he's my everything. He's my provider. He has my inheritance. He has my identity. He has my peace that's unshakable. Like, are you with me? It moves from a place of obligation, and I have to, to a place of opportunity. I get to, and I get to worship the Lord. And I get to give Him everything because we are in love with Christ. It's all about intimacy. We're about avoiding sin. That's a byproduct of it. Going all the way back to the garden. Anybody heard of the story of Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, and then they're like, hey, God's like, don't eat from that tree. Eve, take, of course, what do we do, right? She takes, she takes the apple, okay? That's where sin began all the way back to the beginning, like I said. But the root lie that Satan, the enemy of our souls, okay, we're, we're in a spiritual battle 24-7, 365. If you didn't know that, the enemy's root lie when that temptation came is God is not for you. That's what he was trying to convince them. That's where all sin, I think, can be traced back to, whether it's getting drunk or going doing this and blowing out everything that God ever entrusted to us. It all came back to the lie that the enemy wanted us to believe God is not for you. But Romans is really clear. It says, if God is for us, what does it say? Who can be against us? When we understand that God is for us, we genuinely want to follow Him. Genuinely. Not because we have to. Not because it's the right Christian thing. Yeah, I should. No, no, no. Man, I get to. I genuinely want to follow. This is all about heart transformation. This is so foundational. When I was in middle school, going to high school, and then to college... I had a mentor pull me aside. Anybody had like a really strong mentor in their life? They spoke into them? Yes, no? I had a couple of those in college where I came to them and I'm like, man, I don't want to just go through the motions anymore. Like, I want to have a really deep relationship with God. And at that point, I knew I was called to ministry back in 2014, 2015 range. And they taught me this principle called the cup. Everybody say, the cup. If we're getting real practical they started to teach me that, Andy, you can't just go to church and hear a message and hear all these YouTube sermons and then go home. You have to have a personal devotion time with God. And it was two things. Word, everybody say word, and prayer. All comes back to those two simple things. We don't need to make it complex. Another way to be, explain it would be this. You guys, I can't go home after I preach this message And love my wife and my daughter the way that God could to the fullest, unless my mind is renewed. Like, I can't just go to church and be the husband and the father and the leader that God's called me to be. I have to get away in a prayer closet and say, Lord, I need you to fill me again. Because we're broken. We don't have it all together. We don't have the answers. But the word is so clear that we're not just filled one time at a Sunday service or a camp. We are filled over and over and over Being filled by the Spirit is not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. Are you with me? But this is where so much of our walk with Christ gets cut off. Or we shortcut ourselves. I want to tell you another story of a guy named George Mueller. You awake? It's kind of in the afternoon, yeah? You with me? George Mueller is this guy who... He wasn't on a stage doing stuff. He wasn't like Instagram. No, this guy was a man that was so sold out to the calling of God in his life. 
He took radical steps of faith. I don't know if you know anyone like that, but the calling that God gave him was to step down from his full-time job. I believe he was married and he was called him and his family to start taking care of orphans with no job. They're like, where are we going to start with that? Maybe that's where you find yourself on this afternoon. Like, God, how are you going to provide for me? This is the position that they're in. And one day as their family's desperate, they're on their knees, they're praying, a knock on the door happens. And this person comes to the door and one of the people along the way said, man, George, like my car just broke down. Here's some groceries. Like I can't take this home. Just here, here's some free stuff. Two hours later, another knock on the door. George, man, I just felt led by the Lord to give you this. I know that you're in a season of need. Another knock and another knock. And then what started to happen is George started to expect another knock. Are you with me? Here's the third main idea. A lifestyle of dependency creates a lifestyle of expectancy. A lifestyle that says, I'm going to get on my knees Ephesians 3.14, Paul starts this message. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. I said this when I got up on stage. There's so much power in literally the physical posture that we take before the Lord. Do you know that? Like, it's not just to be showy. It's not. No, no. Paul is saying, God, you are my provider. Like, I kneel before your throne because I'm not my own God. I'm not my own boss. I can't take care of myself. I have to know that you are my king. You are my provider. But then I love this. Ephesians 3.20 And moves on, and I imagine he gets up off his knees, he stands up, and he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. He's like prophesying now. Here's the connection. Paul's dependency on God was directly connected to his expectancy that God would show up. Because Paul lived a life that was on his knees before the Lord. So he knew, I'm going to expect another knock. But in America, it's so different, right? I remember going to South Africa, 2014. This was my first mission trip I ever went on. I mean, it's just different in third world countries. Anybody ever been to a place where, like, I know, like, in, in South Africa, there's Johannesburg, and there's these cities that are like the U.S., but most of the places that we went to were the slums, and people that are in need, and people in poverty. Can I tell you that when we gathered there for worship, people expected God to show up? Like here in America, you know, we come into church, we get our coffee, and we kind of look around like, I don't know. No, no, no. In those countries, they come, and it's all expectant. I know God's going to meet me here. Why? Because they're dependent on every single one of their needs for Him. Their dependency is directly connected to their expectancy of God to show up. Are you with me? But in the world, right, dependency is seen as weakness. Dependency in the world's eyes is like, man, that's a crutch. If you're dependent on someone else or something, like, man, like, you need to be your own boss. You need to take control of your own life. When in the kingdom, dependency is a sign of strength. As I reflect on my time in Nicaragua, South Africa, man, like, I think of those people, they're like the strongest people I know. Because they spent the most time on their knees before the Lord. It says in Scripture, when we are weak, we are totally flip side in the kingdom, right? Totally upside down. But here's what starts to happen. This is where it gets really fun, right? When you start walking in this lifestyle of dependency and expectancy, all of a sudden you start taking notes and it's like, man, in 2014 God was faithful and then 2015 and then 2016, 2017, you start flipping a journal. God, if you were faithful in 2018, you're going to be faithful in 2022. 
Like, I saw you do it again. I saw that miracle when we had no money, when we had no encouragement, when we had no support, and people left us, and people were making fun of us. Like, I remember in 2020 when you showed up. And for some of us, maybe watching online or in the room, maybe the thing we need to walk away with is start journaling answered prayers. Because it's really clear in Scripture, when we look back, we see the future clear. Are you with me? Because the future always looks blurry. The, the future always looks like there's no way God could do it again. But it says in Scripture, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes. He never sways. A lifestyle of dependency creates a lifestyle of expectancy. Anybody ever been to a church camp before? Sounds like a, a stand-up comedian act, right? It's about to begin. No. But I do have something funny to share. Is that okay? One of the things that really bothers me about church camp is all the unhealthy food, okay? Like, trust me, I, I'm, I have a big sweet tooth, okay? I love, like, pizza, all that stuff. But every single church camp I've ever been to, it's like, we got the ding-dongs, we got the Twinkies, and we got the Mountain Dew, and we got the bacon. And it's like, no wonder kids are not paying attention by the third sermon. Are you with me? Like, how funny is that? I don't know, that's just another story. But anyways... One thing about church camp is God moves like crazy at those things. Have you ever been to one, right? And you see the altar flooding at the end of a night, right? And kids are giving their lives to Jesus and people are laying hands and you're seeing a supernatural move of God. God moves at those places, but what happens on Tuesday the next week? If there's anything I know about church camps, it's a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows, right? The next main idea I want to challenge us with is this core strength happens when we move from passion, everybody say passion, to zeal. Ephesians 3.17 says this, and I pray that you being rooted, everybody say rooted, now say established, being rooted and established in love. Here's the truth, some of us are excited, but we're still not rooted. Man, we're excited about a move of God that could be happening in Westfield, or maybe it's a church that you've been connected to, like, that's okay, and God stirs up our passion. Anybody a feeler out there? If you can't tell, I'm a feeler, all right? But it's not about really our excitement, it's about are you rooted? Do you have a core that is strong? Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Passion is directly connected to feelings, but zeal is connected to a lifestyle of walking with Jesus. Zeal is basically this, no matter how you feel, it's following Christ. Even when you don't feel like it, even when your emotions give out. Although you had that high, high at church camp, my prayer is that if you're a part of one church, if you're watching online, my prayer is that it would not be a moment, but a lifestyle. Because here's the truth. At some point, you're not going to feel like following Jesus. You're going to feel like giving into temptation. You're going to feel like going back to that old group of friends. Or you're going to feel like going back to that old accountability group. You knew it wasn't good for you. But zeal is following even when our emotions cave in. Okay, so who's, who's a feeler in the room again? Anybody raise their hands? Holy cow, that's like 85% of the room. All right, I just did some quick math. I don't know. Okay, now who's like intellectuals? I feel bad pointing you out now because there's some... Okay, all right. I remember one time my mentor who taught me the cup, he also taught me this thing that was called desire. Everybody say desire. And discipline. 
This was so profound in my life because I'm going to try to explain this sermon analogy correct. I hope I don't ruin it. But he said, Andy, imagine that there's two horses pulling a chariot, okay? Me being in a chariot, that's a funny picture to imagine, first off. But imagine two horses are pulling a chariot. And this horse represents our feelings, our emotions, our desire, right? And then this horse represents our discipline, the intellect, the consistency, the no matter how I feel, right? He said, Andy, what, what happens if the emotions, the feelings horse takes off and the other one stays put? What happens? Come on, somebody. You go in circles, right? Now, for me, if I'm being real, that took me like probably an hour to figure out. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, they would go in circles. Okay. But here's the truth. This is why so many of us go to church camp and retreat and conference after conference over and over. And we confess the same sin every single year because we're just going in circles. Because we're enslaved to our emotions. Or enslaved to just being all about the head and not about the heart. But we need both. The Lord has shown us that zeal is when desire meets discipline. And those two are married together. When we have a strong core, we're just going to be consistent people. Can I tell you, if the, Lord, if the world is looking for anything in Christians today, it's just consistency. Man, are you the same person that you were at church as you are at work? Because some of you, I see you posting on Instagram that you're a Christian, but when you're at work, you don't want anyone to know you're a believer. Oh, I'm not a radical, right? I'm not like Jesus crazy. I, I just, I mean, I go to church, right? But when we have a strong core, we're consistent through and through. But how many of us know to have a strong core, our faith is going to be tested, right? I told you I never want to sugarcoat anything while you're watching online or in the room. Can I tell you that if you want to follow Jesus, you will be attacked by the devil. You will. Trust me. It's in Scripture. It's promised. Jesus says you're going to have trouble, but you're also going to face pushback, right? We're in a spiritual battle 24-7, 365. The moment that you become a Christian, or the moment you raise your hand and say, man, I want to go all in for God, or you want to join the dream team, there is now an X on your back from the gates of hell. That's just how it works. And I'm not loving you if I don't share that with you. But prayer, you all, is not just a conversation. Prayer is a weapon. you got to know that God has armed you with prayer. Because in a spiritual battle, right, you can't depend on someone else. Like, you can't depend on, like, okay, I heard that YouTube sermon Stephen Furtick said. No, like, you have to have a real relationship with God that in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the temptation, in the heat of when your friends are making fun of you or the devil is tempting you to look at something you shouldn't, you say, in Jesus' name, God has given me an authority that we have to use. Ephesians 6 says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Are you with me? Prayer is also a weapon. Another way to say it, I put it in my notes like this. God doesn't want to just give us His affection. He gives us His authority. And it's not an authority to start, oh, we can control the world. No, it's, it's conditions, right? It's in circumstances. But we have an authority to say, man, when I'm being attacked by the devil, I have to say, in Jesus' name, I bind you. Like, I love that song, There is power. In the name, you know what I mean? In the name of Jesus, the name above all names. I never thought I'd ever sing on stage, but I just did for two seconds. But true maturity is when we move from passion, everybody say passion, to zeal. The last main idea, and then we'll be done, is this. Core strength produces an unshakable joy. 
Let me preface, you know, Paul the Apostle, the Balin OG Apostle Paul, he was beat up. He was physically stoned for his faith. Like large rocks are being chucked at this man because he's a believer in Christ. He was flogged. If you don't know what flogged means, it means like his back was like torn to shreds just like Christ was, right? A whip that was flogging this man. He was shipwrecked. He went through every disaster you could think of that a Christian could probably walk through. 2 Corinthians 7.4, he says this, In all of my troubles, my joy knew no bounds. Boundless joy. Endless joy. Like he's not talking about the prosperity gospel. He's not talking about, man, I got my house and my car and my spouse. He's saying, no, no, this is an unshakable joy that no matter what's happened in my life, like when everything is falling apart and that person leaves me and I thought that they were for me and that job and all this and my finances, like in those moments, we have unshakable joy. Joy is not a feeling. It's an endless fire burning. Joy is something that the world can never take away. Happiness in the world is something that's conditional. Happiness is all about our circumstances, right? It's all dependent on what's happening in your life. Joy is the complete opposite. Another way to say it would be this. Christianity is not about everything going our way. It's about the joy that can never be taken away. Christianity is not about all these things adding up to, to, okay, it's our success, our accolades, everything's all good. Joy was never about that. Joy was about nothing could ever take this away. You know what's so interesting? Anybody ever heard of Philippians 4.13? Yes? Now how many of us are like, man, I feel like that's a little Christian cliche. Anybody out there? Okay. Can I explain to you that like when all these athletes and superstars are like, man, Philippians, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Do you know what Paul wrote the verses before Philippians 4.13? He said, I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to be in want. Like, I know what it is to have the mountaintop experience, and I know what it's like to be in the valley. But through all of this, it wasn't about the fame, it wasn't about the accolades, it wasn't about the success or the relationships. It was about the fact that I was content in Christ alone. And then he writes, so in Christ, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I don't know where you're at, but would you stand to your feet this afternoon? Sometimes life just throws curveballs. Are you with me? Like sometimes things unexpected happen. Sometimes we feel like, man, I never saw that coming. And we feel like we're falling apart, right? But I love this. Colossians 1.17 says this. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. I find this so interesting. I heard a pastor share this one time. If you don't believe me, you're watching online or in the room, you're like, man, I don't know, like this Jesus thing is exciting, but can you prove it to me somehow? I don't know if I can fully do that, but I can show you this. Do you realize the protein that holds your body together is in the shape of a cross? Look it up. Google it. Search it. Laminin is the protein that literally holds us together physically. Tell me that God is not alive. Tell me that God is not the core of our core. Tell me that God is not the unshakable joy, the provision, everything that we could ever need. It's all found in the cross of Christ. But how many of us know sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to see that God is the rock at the bottom? Right? 
And we have free will, you know. And so there's moments in our life where we're running from the Lord or or we're one foot in and one foot out. And out of love, God allows us to hit rock bottom to see He is the firm foundation. When everybody else left, when no one else cared, when everything gave out, when your emotions caved in and finances were a question, at rock bottom we find Christ. At rock bottom we find that He is faithful. At rock bottom we found, God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I can trust you. He is the only firm foundation. And it's not in another religion. It's not like, well, let's try all these different... No, no, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Jesus, I just thank you that you are moving in this place. Lord, I believe that there's two responses this afternoon for those who are watching online or in the room. And the first one for the believers. God, I know that there's just times in our life where we feel like we're just carrying so much weight. It's like we're, we have a backpack on and it's just full of tons of bricks. We're like, God, am I ever going to make it through this season? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? And I just felt the Lord said this in the first two and I feel it now. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So for all the believers in the room, the first response, if you say, man, I know Jesus. If there's something that's just holding you down, man, you just feel like, God, no matter how hard I try, I want a strong core and trial after trial keeps coming against me. Pushback and all this unexpectedness. Would you just lift a hand to say, God, I just need you to lift this burden. Lord, I just thank you that you carry the weight of our burdens, that we can surrender it to you. That as you carry that cross to Calvary, you are carrying our burdens, our shame, our frustrations, our questions. God, I pray for all the believers. You can put your hands down, but with eyes closed, I just pray for the believers, God, that you would give them a yoke that is easy, a burden that is light, that they would even feel that shift right now, whether they're watching online on YouTube later, that we would see, God, you are the unshakable core of our life. When everything else is falling apart, you hold us together. Perfectly faithful. And the second response is this. If there's anyone watching online or on YouTube later in the room that, man, you just feel like I'm one foot in and one foot out for God. Like, Andy, you've been talking to me this afternoon. And I want to give my life to Jesus. Like, I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I want to know that everything in my life is surrendered to God. Would you just raise a hand this afternoon if that's you and you want to make that decision to make Christ your Lord and Savior? Lord, I thank you for the hand that was just raised. If there's anyone else, would you just raise your hand right now if you're saying, God, I want to give my life to you this afternoon. Today is the day of salvation. We can't wait any longer. I see another hand. You can put your hand down. God, I thank you for the decisions that are being made right now with heads bound, eyes closed. Everyone under the sound of my voice, let's all pray this prayer silently in our heart before the Father. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Forgive me of my sin against you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your blood that was shed for me on the cross. Lord, I thank you that when you had the crown of thorns on your head and your hands were pierced with nails and your feet were 
nailed to those pieces of wood, Lord, I thank you, you were thinking of me. Lord, you weren't just dying a general death for the world. You died for every single individual under heaven and earth. And I thank you for that. I receive the gift of salvation. But Lord, thank you that you didn't stay in the grave. You rose three days later and you sent your spirit. So I receive your Holy Spirit right now. That I would become the temple of your presence. The temple of the living God. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. And it's in Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Can we clap for those who made that decision today? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The prodigals are coming home. Man, I just felt this as we started this church. Those who are watching online or in the room, God was just saying in my spirit over and over, welcome home. Welcome home. And that's what he says to you. It says, when you receive Christ, it says there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than 99 church people. So right now, heaven is throwing a party for those who are watching online in the room. So can we clap one more time? God, thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the eternal salvation. Let's worship one more time. Is that okay? Is that cool? And let's worship. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we don't have to worship like looking at yesterday, but we can look at tomorrow and say, God, you have a plan and a purpose for my life. And I can worship out of that freedom. Amen. Let's worship one more time.